Good afternoon, my beloved family and friends in Christ. And to our friends who are visiting with us today, I welcome you to our service this afternoon. As we strive towards being a disciple-making church, one of our must-haves is community-focused disciple-making. And when we say community, we mean us, the people here, connected to one another here in the local church. One of the goals of the church this year then is to deepen the community life of the church. And this is what this series of messages on the one another commands seek to help us do. And together with the gospel-centered community material that we are doing in our CGs, we hope to encourage the strengthening of the body life here at GBC. Last week, I spoke about how Christians are to submit to one another in harmony so that we will glorify God, specifically in the area of pleasing others for their good in order to build them up. Today, I will be speaking on showing hospitality to one another. However, before we get into today's message, because we are people who desperately need God's grace to help us understand His Word, let us pray. Father God, we ask that your Spirit come with the power of a great wind to clear the cobwebs out of our hearts and help us to hear and see your Word clearly. Or that the Holy Spirit comes steadily as close as our own breathing to whisper your truth into the silence of our lives. However you come, come with the power to change us so that we each might grow as your disciples, that together we might truly become the body of Christ in the world. And as a result, we may thereby become a testimony to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have you ever felt alone? I mean really felt all alone. You, fe- you feel deeply the feelings of isolation and alienation and they wash over you. You feel that no one is there for you. Or you feel that there's no one that cares for you. Or you feel that there's no one who really understands or knows you. You put on a happy face, but in your gut, you feel the unrelenting grip of loneliness. You put on a brave front, but in your heart, your heart cries for companionship. You put on a, no, never, couldn't care less attitude, but your thoughts are filled with desires for someone to really connect with you. Modern life has conspired to bring us all strangers, alienated from one another. And this modern sickness affects the life of the community within a church as well. The culture we are in affects how we live as Christians. Do you think it otherwise? What about missionaries who return from the field for the visit? Some of you feel alone and isolated from a church that sent you out. What about our leaders? We often feel alone and isolated from the very people we love and care for. What about the people involved in the various ministries in the church? Do you not often feel all alone in a ministry as you struggle to serve faithfully? 
What about the students in our midst, both studying locally and those, especially those overseas? Do you not struggle with feelings of loneliness in the midst of the various pressures and stresses you face? My brothers and sisters in Christ, what about you? What about you? All of us live, as we live in our lives in modern Singapore, do you not encounter isolation, alienation as well? Do you not feel the pain of loneliness? No, Augustine of Hippo writes, you, meaning God, have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Our feelings of being alone can only be satisfied by the reality of God in Jesus Christ. It's only in the fullness of Jesus Christ that we can find love and ourselves united to love. It's only in Christ that we find our true rest and satisfaction. And as our worship team just sung, it's only in Him that we can cry, Christ is enough for me. However, God has also given us the means of helping one another live in the reality of God in Christ Jesus. He has not just left us alone. He gave us certain methods and means in which we can help each other live in this reality of God in Jesus Christ. And it is through the practice of hospitality towards one another. The practice of Christian hospitality can build a community that gives witness to the power of the gospel and thereby overcoming loneliness and alienation. And this is where we turn to in this little letter of Perth John as we witness an account of the gospel practice of hospitality in the life of the early church. So what's up with this little letter of Third John? Okay? You can look for Third John. It's after First John and Second John and before Revelation. Okay? It's a little letter, only 15 verses. So what's up with this little letter? You know, many of us are somewhat familiar with the New Testament, but we shouldn't let this familiarity dull the amazing truth as we read Third John. Because what we have here, what we hold in our hands as we read Third John, is actually a letter involving real living Christians that was written some 2,000 years ago. And this letter serves as a letter of introduction from the Apostle John, here called the Elder, to Gaius. John writes to his beloved friend Gaius, likely a lay church leader, and he introduces Gaius to Demetrius. This, this Demetrius is the leader of a group of travelling Christian preachers, teachers, and evangelists that was sent out by John's church. And you need to remember this. You remember in those days, not like us, they don't have internet, they don't have smartphones, and what do they rely on? They have to rely on handwritten letters handwritten letters. So picture with me. So what we have here is Gaius one day finding a group of Christian workers turning up on his doorsteps. And then Demetrius with a white green and hug handing him a letter of introduction to, from the apostle John. And what is Gaius now to do? Should he show Christian hospitality? And in this letter, though it primarily serves, primarily serves to introduce Demetrius. It does more than that. John urges Gaius to show hospitality and in doing so, give evidence that he is walking in truth and love. And if you remember, 
Christian walking, uh, Christian walking in tr- love and truth is one of the key themes that comes across in the letter of 1 John and 2 John as well. So this little letter here, turn with me to this 3 John. This little letter only has 15 verses. So we shall be looking at verses 5 to 8 for today. But it does us well to actually understand the context of what is written. So follow with me as we do a quick look of the whole letter. What do we see? We see in verses 1 to 4, the elder. This is the Apostle John. And he addresses and greets his beloved friend Gaius. And as with personal letters of those days, John first wishes for Gaius' well-being. He then rejoices because Gaius has demonstrated that he is faithful to the truth. And what is this truth that he's talking about? This truth is the apostles' teaching of the gospel. And this is the consistent testimony from traveling Christian preachers, teachers, and evangelists of the of the, uh, John's friend Gaius. These Christian missionaries give a good testimony of Gaius. And it's likely Gaius lived out the truth by showing hospitality and support to these missionaries. Then in verses 5 to 8, 5 to 8, we see the reason for this letter. The Apostle John affirms and encourages Gaius to continue to practice hospitality. John encourages Christians to be hospitable to one another in a manner worthy of God. Christians are to be hospitable to one another in order to support the work of the gospel for the sake of Christ. And in showing Christian hospitality, they will build community. Then John, in verses uh, 9 to 10, turns and writes about someone else. The third person, the third character that's mentioned in this short letter, Diotrephus. And he sets this particular guy, Diotrephus, in contrast with Gaius. This guy, Diotrephus, is likely a strong and charismatic leader in the local church. And this is either Gaius's church or a church nearby. We cannot really tell for certain. But Diotrephus, this guy, he seeks after control and likes to put himself first. He rejects John's authority and has spread gossip making untrue, disparaging remarks about John. In addition, he does not welcome the Christian missionaries that were endorsed by the Apostle John. He even goes to the extent of throwing out those members of his church who welcome the missionaries. So this is what he does. And finally, John exhorts Gaius to do what is right in verse 11. In verses 12, he then introduces Demetrius, the leader of the band of Christian missionaries. He endorses and recommends Demetrius because Demetrius has proven himself as credible and faithful to the truth of the gospel. And when John does this, he fully expects his good friend, his beloved friend Gaius, to welcome Demetrius and his group of missionaries. He expects them to show him support, to show Demetrius and his band of missionaries support and hospitality. Then John concludes in verses 13 and 14, with saying, when he gets to meet Gaius, there's much more to say. And then he says goodbye in verses 15. Remember, the reason for John's letter is in verses 5 to 8. And in these four verses, John affirms and encourages Gaius to continue to practice Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality. 
But what exactly is hospitality? Well, well, the Webster Dictionary defines hospitality as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. But think with me, is showing hospitality merely the entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers? There's an author named Amy Oden in her book on hospitality as expressed in early Christianity. She points out, the word hospitality has lost its moral impact, moral punch over the recent centuries. Reduced to merely talking about refreshments at meetings. So when you think about hospitality, we think, oh, someone provides like drinks or coffee at meetings. Or even on magazine covers of you know, gracious living or happy homes. Okay? The moral landscape in which it resides has all but faded into the background. Yet it is this moral and spiritual landscape that the early Christian voices can help us recover. So what exactly is Christian hospitality and how can we recover it? What does 3 John verses 5 to 8 tell us about Christian hospitality? How can the gospel practice of Christian hospitality help to remedy the loneliness, the alienation that many of us do experience in our daily life? John in verses 5 to 6a first affirms Christian hospitality. John writes, Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. John here, the Apostle John here, now directly addresses Gaius and affirms his effort to show hospitality and support to the travelling missionaries, some of whom are strangers to Gaius. And in practicing hospitality, Gaius is being faithful. But being faithful to what? Gaius is being faithful to the truth. The truth of the apostolic teaching of the gospel. His action gives evidence that he is walking in the truth. We see this in verses 3 and 4. And he has been consistent in his efforts. Because John himself reports that returning Christian missionaries have given testimony to Gaius' love for them before John's home church. And we need to understand hospitality as a practice of the gospel. It's one of the primary means by which we learn and teach love. It's an it's arena, it's an area whereby we as fellow Christians can show love and care for one another. And it's the truth of the gospel that should compel us to love. And this is expressed in a very practical practice of showing hospitality. No, but at this point here, I know some of you may have objections in your mind. Really? Welcoming and being hospitable to others unfamiliar to us? Being hospitable to others whom we are not comfortable with? And you're even talking about strangers. I'm, not, I'm just not comfortable with this. I mean, let's admit it. We, being human beings, we tend to be suspicious, right? We tend to be uncomfortable with those unfamiliar with us. And this is partially due to the alienation and isolation we face in modern living. And if we are uncomfortable with those unfamiliar with us, what more about strangers? But this 
is to be different among Christians. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ, Christians are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Ephesians 2.19 Christ's work on the cross has brought us peace. In Christ Jesus, we have been made one. Christ has broken down the barrier between us. As Christians, we are no longer strangers and aliens to one another. We are members of the household of God. Since this is who we are, we are to be hospitable to one another. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 13 urges the church to contribute to the needs of the saints, contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. Okay, okay. So we are to show hospitality. But what exactly is it? Let's look at what hospitality is not. Okay? It is not only the providing of refreshments at fellowship meetings, or providing of cakes at prayer meetings, okay? or even entertaining guests over a meal at your homes during special holidays. I know many of us, we do this for one another, and I give thanks for, for those of you who do so. But this is not what Christian hospitality is merely about. It is this and more. The early Christian practice of hospitality is so much more. Why? Remember in those days, you know, hotels and lodgings are not common. So when Christians, especially Christian missionaries travel, what do they do? They need to rely on the gracious hospitality of other Christians. And hospitality then means what? It means going through the uncomfortable practice of inviting them into your homes, sometimes to stay for a time, or sometimes even longer. And in doing so, you provide the very practical support of meeting their needs, of having somewhere to stay, and having food to eat. In addition, you may even meet their financial needs. Wow. Talking about all this, you may think, wow, this, this is really demanding and calling a lot from Christians. But let me tell you, it's even more than all this. Remember, these missionaries sometimes are strangers to your community. So by the very fact that you host them, you invite them into your homes, what you're saying to your community is that you're basically endorsing them. You are identifying with them and, your, and their work. So in essence, what you're doing is you're lending your voice, your status as support for their work. You are telling the people in your community that these Christian preachers, these Christian teachers, these evangelists, they are faithful to the truth of the gospel. And you're lending weight to your teaching and testimony. So what you're literally doing is you're risking your reputation for the support of gospel work, their gospel work and ministry. And this is uncomfortable. You're risking so much more than just giving them a meal. So how does this look like in our context? How could the gospel practice of hospitality look like in our context? Would you be faithful to the truth and practice love as you do the very uncomfortable act of showing hospitality, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters in GBC itself? Could we start here first 
within our very own community, as we show hospitality by meeting practical needs, as well as lend our voices and support to their ministry? Could we practice hospitality to help others overcome the struggles of them feeling alone and feeling isolated? You know, when I was doing my seminary studies some six years ago, it's uh, six years ago now, the seminary I I was in had a very strict code of conduct. There was a document I had to affirm uh, as I did my seminary studies. It wasn't meant to be legalistic, not at all. But rather because I am a seminary student then and a pastor in training, I was to conduct myself in a manner in accord to who I was. Because of my identity, I am a student of seminary. I was to live it out in a manner worthy of being a student of the seminary. And this is what John encourages here. As John encourages the practice of Christian hospitality in verses 6b to 8, one of the key reasons he gives is that as Christians beloved by God, we should live in a manner worthy of God. And this includes the practice of showing hospitality. John writes to Gaius, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John encourages his friend here in verse 6b to send them, meaning the Christian missionaries, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And what John means here is this. It's more than just sending them off with a goodbye and well wishes and saying, hey, you know, I'll pray for you. Here, sending them has the idea of providing both practical and financial support as they go on to the next area of ministry responsibility. And Gaius, in doing so, he's doing it in a manner worthy of God. This does not mean by sending them off well, he will earn his worthiness before God. Rather, what it means is that Gaius will conduct himself in a manner in accord with who he is. What this means is, by sending them off, he will give proof that he belongs to the truth. Christians, you are encouraged to practice Christian hospitality because you will then walk the talk and live out who you are. John continues to encourage hospitality in verse 7, writing, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So what we see here, these Christian missionaries, preachers, teachers, evangelists, they are doing what they are doing for the sake of the name. We see in Acts 15.26, this passage refers to men who risk their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So though it's not explicit here, John is telling Gaius that these missionaries have gone out for the sake of Jesus Christ. And because they're doing ministry and work for Jesus Christ, they are not receiving any support from the non-Christian Gentiles. And you can even expect that in some cases, they will face opposition. They will face opposition. Christians, you are encouraged to practice Christian hospitality because these missionaries and Christian workers are doing the work and ministry for the sake of Jesus Christ, often create personal sacrifices. 
Finally, John writes, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John encourages Gaius by telling him the final reason to practice Christian hospitality. Christians are to support Christian missionaries and workers so that they may be fellow workers to the, for the truth. Christians are to give practical support by providing a place to stay, food and financial support. And even go so far as to identify and lend your voice and status to the support of these Christian workers. Why? Why are we to do so? Because by doing so, you are partnering with them in the truth of the gospel. By practicing Christian hospitality, you are working with them for the advancement of the gospel. So we see here the purposeful intent of Christians who support traveling Christian gospel workers should be to share in the work of the truth. And when they extend this hospitality, they do so for the result that they share, as a result that they share in the work of the gospel. Finally, in addition, the fact that someone supports those who preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, this also validates the gospel message in the eyes of unbelievers, making them more open to receive it, to receive the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, Christians, you are encouraged to practice Christian hospitality because by doing so, you're partnering in the advance of the gospel. So are you convinced? Do you see the practice of hospitality is actually the living out of the truth and love of the gospel? What is keeping you from applying this? What is keeping you from living this truth out? The practice of Christian hospitality is the living out of the truth of the gospel. And when we do so, we build community. We help others overcome their struggles of feeling alone and feeling isolated. So what? What now? We have really acknowledged that the practice of hospitality as Scripture defines and describes, it does call us to be uncomfortable. And as an author named Jonathan Wilson, he writes, if myself is all that I have and all that really matters and counts, then everything else is an enemy. As a result, modernity, modernity is marked by attempts to control others and protect our, ourselves. Practicing hospitality is difficult because our culture tells us that all we have is ourselves, And this is what really matters. This is what really counts. This untruth tells us, this untruth tells us that anything that threatens self is an enemy. And our lives in modern times is marked by our attempts to control others and protect ourselves from anything that makes us feel threatened and uncomfortable. But the gospel tells us that we are not alone, that we are not alienated. We have more than simply ourselves. At the point of trusting our gospel, at the point of our conversion, we have been joined to Jesus Christ and joined to one another. And this frees us to practice hospitality to one another in Christian community. And what does this mean? And how does this look like? It means first, being open to receiving hospitality. There's another quote that talks about hospitality and the practice of welcome. It says, friendship, solidarity occur among equals, and this requires an appreciation of what the guest might bring to the relationship. 
Persons who have never experienced need or being, feeling being, uh, that they are marginalised find it easier to be hosts than guests. And the deepest condescension might, may be expressed in their unwillingness to be a guest and unwillingness to allow the relationship to be mutual. We don't allow our relationship with others to be mutual. And this is a struggle I face. And in my conversation with some of our care group leaders, this is also a struggle I know some of you face. We tell ourselves that, oh, I do not want to inconvenience others. We tell ourselves that it's okay, I'm okay. I'd rather care for others than allow others to care for me. And in a sense, I'm not willing for the relationship to be mutual. Open yourself to the risks of receiving hospitality. Do not hide behind your mask of self-sufficiency. And one practical way of doing this is to get yourself into a small group, a care group. Join a small group of Christians here in Grace Baptist Church and be open to being known and being cared for by others. Allow yourself to experience the hospitality that other Christians have to offer. Secondly, it means this. It means being active in giving hospitality. Being active in giving hospitality. Make the sacrificial risk of your time, resources, even your status to be hospitable to one another. To be one another. Especially Christian missionaries and Christian workers in our midst. And I know some of you are already doing this. I know of one care group in particular who goes out of their way to extend hospitality and care to our missionaries. I'm thinking here of uh, Zuping and Heidi. And I know there are others who similarly care for others in our church, uh, other mission, church missionaries as well. You know, at this point, I want to commend you for all the love and effort you have shown. You are following Gaius' footsteps in giving evidence that you're walking in the truth and love of the gospel. But there are still other needs. There are other missionaries in our church that we have sent out that could do with better care and hospitality. And you could see Deacon Kim Cheng and the missions committee. They have already put in place and adopt a missionary program. And it is my hope that each and every missionary on that list is adopted and cared for by at least one care group or small group of individuals. So actually, make that two groups per missionary. I'm setting a challenge for all of us. Show our love and concern for them. Be hospitable. And in doing so, we will partner with them in the work of the gospel. But being active in giving hospitality does not stop at just our missionaries. As I said, while this text, I believe, refers primarily to Christian missionaries, okay, I believe that the practice of hospitality can and should extend to all Christian workers and members of our church. You know, our leaders and deacons serving in various ministries in the church often feel alone, often feel alienated, often feel isolated. The practice of hospitality here could include coming alongside them and encouraging them by providing practical support, by lending your voice in moral support and by praying for and with them. I'm going very specifically here. You know our children Sunday school teachers? Look around, can you see them? No, they're not. They're not here. Where are they? Where are they? They make the sacrifice, they make a sacrifice of missing the joy of fellowship 
in our services because of our ministry to our children. To our children. Wouldn't it be great you know, if a group of you would get together and provide the teachers with a meal, maybe once a quarter, and by doing so, you meet their practical needs. But more than just a meal, you come alongside them to pray for them and pray with them. And not only that, be advocates for their ministry. Sometimes being a teacher, especially teacher to children, could be a thankless task. Be advocates for the ministry. This is practicing hospitality. And it doesn't just stop at providing hospitality to those involved in ministry. What about the students in our midst, especially those who are overseas and struggling with loneliness and being far away from home? What does the practice of hospitality look like? You can practice hospitality by communicating with them. You know, now we have modern communication and it makes it so easy to Skype with them. And there are other modern communication tools. It makes it very easy for us to communicate with them, to pray for them, to pray with them. And when they come back, welcome them back heartily to our church. What about the seniors in our midst? What does the practice of hospitality look like? It may mean visiting them in their homes, especially those of them who now find it difficult to travel on their own. Help them with their groceries, bring them meals, talk to them, be hospitable. The practice of Christian hospitality can build a community that gives witness to the power of the gospel to overcome loneliness and alienation. So why do we practice hospitality? Even though it's often uncomfortable, it's because in Christ Jesus, we who were once far off, has, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then we are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are together as fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus Christ did the ultimate act of hospitality, going through alienation and isolation on the cross and dying on our behalf. By His one act, we who are strangers and aliens have been welcomed into His household. And now we, in gratitude, can hear, hear and heed the Apostle John's exaltation. Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Before I end us in prayer, again, I want to invite us to spend the next three to five minutes in prayer as a church community. So please use the following two questions as a guide for your prayer. You can pray in pairs or pray individually. The two questions are, as a church, have we been hospitable to one another? Pray that we increasingly care and be hospitable to one another for the sake of the gospel. Second question, is there anyone in particular that God has brought to your mind that you can extend Christian hospitality to? Pray that God will present you with opportunities to exercise Christian 
hospitality. You can take the next three to five minutes in prayer before I close us all in, in this time together. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ, that through the forgiveness given to us on the cross, we who are far off have been brought near. We who are once strangers and aliens are now members of your household. Our Lord God, we pray that your indwelling Holy Spirit empowers us to show hospitality to one another. May we, as we practice hospitality, build community in the church, so that the light of your gospel may break into the lives of those of us who are alone, alienated, and isolated. We pray that as we increasingly show hospitality to Christian missionaries, to Christian workers, to those serving in ministry, and as we do so, partner them in the work of the gospel. We pray this for our good, for the good of the community here at Grace Baptist Church, and for the sake of Jesus' name. Amen.